Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. God, we thank you for your presence. And we thank you that we can come into your house today and we can worship your name. Father, I pray that you will fill our hearts and minds with that presence and that we can find strength and comfort in you. Lord, thank you for all that you do for us and all that you do through us. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I want to, you guys can be seated, by the way. Sorry about that. I want to thank Donna Beitzel and her team. We can't forget John because he is here hour after hour with Don or with Donna, uh, Greg and Tammy McIntyre and everyone that made this building look so pretty with the Christmas decorations. Doesn't it look nice? Yes. For those of you that are watching online, you only get to see a glimpse of it. The atrium is full of Christmas trees, and we always love this time of year as we get to decorate and celebrate that with us. So thank you all who helped last, um, last weekend and throughout the course of this week to make sure everything looks just perfect for us. A couple of quick announcements that I need to make today. Um, just want to remind you that on th- Wednesday night of this week, November 30th, the praise team is having a a time of get-together, a pizza party. Anybody that serves on the praise team or anybody that might like to serve on the praise team are welcome to come here at 5.30 for a pizza party. Josie's going to talk about some different things that are coming up in the coming days. If you would like to be a part of that, please see Josie so that she makes sure we have enough pizza for all of you. So let her know. Also, next Sunday is our Christmas workshop. And so dinner will be served at 5.30. From 6 to 8, we will have our Christmas workshop. This is a fundraising event that we do every year uh, to raise funds for our junior and senior high trips, the CIY this coming summer. So we want to invite you all to come out. There's going to be a lot of um, Christmas decorations that you can make and different things. Um, Amy Moeller has worked hard to get that all put together. Um, She starts twisting harms the Sunday after the Christmas workshop for next year. So she has worked hard um, for the last year of getting this put together, so you don't want to miss that. Also, please remember there is no youth group tonight, and also remember that um, Christmas Eve service is going to be one service again this year. We're going to be doing that service at 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve, and we will also be live streaming that. So Uh, You make sure that you make that a part of your Christmas celebration. Thank you guys for being here. Um, I don't know about you, but I have never had a VIP come to my house for a visit. Anybody in here ever had a VIP come to your house for a visit? Okay, a couple people have. You know, it's, it's probably a fair guess that the vast majority of us never will. You know, but at some point, somebody's going to meet a VIP, but the responsibility of preparing all of the things 
for a VIP will never fall on us. But I'm sure that the vast majority of you ladies felt like you were having a VIP come to your house this past week because you worked hard of planning that meal for Thanksgiving, didn't you? I remember what my wife was doing last weekend as we had our family in, the blistering pace of all that she did to make sure that everything was perfect for our Thanksgiving meal as a family. Usually, the work begins weeks, days in advance. You start preparing. You start figuring out what you're going to make, what you're going to buy, when you have to put that turkey in the refrigerator and get it defrosted, and all of those things. We become wrapped in anticipation of a holiday. This Christmas season, we are going to be talking about being wrapped in for the Christmas season. And we're going to be looking at different things that we wrap our lives in during the Christmas season, or at least should wrap our lives in during the Christmas season. One of those things is wrapping our lives in anticipation. This past weekend, as our family all gathered, we were so excited to experience our first Thanksgiving with our granddaughter. That was such a new experience. It was funny, on Friday, Natalie and I were sitting down after the day, and we were talking, and we realized that neither one of us took any pictures of Thanksgiving with Olivia. Natalie got a text from our daughter-in-law, Nicolette, and she said, did you take any pictures this weekend of Thanksgiving? Natalie said, no. Nicolette and her family had Thanksgiving on Thursday, and she said, we didn't take any on Thanksgiving either. You know, sometimes we just drop the ball with those anticipation because we get consumed in the things. Christmas, it's easy to get consumed and to lose our focus. Anybody here started their Christmas shopping yet? Yeah, anybody go Black Friday shopping? First year in years that I didn't do it. It didn't feel like Thanksgiving because I wasn't out at the mall on Friday. You know, anybody done with their Christmas shopping yet? I'm, oh, good job, Josie. She's all done. And I haven't even given you my list yet. You know? Good job. We oftentimes lose our focus because we become so consumed by all of the things. If we were to look at our calendars today, we would begin to feel like there is so much pressing in on us. How are we going to get everything done before the 25th of December? How are we going to get everything done before whatever date it is? The prophets, in many ways, had a similar backdrop to what we are experiencing each and every year. They needed to understand the people that were waiting for this Savior. Two of my favorite passages in the prophets leading up to Jesus' birth both come from Isaiah. I love how Handel put together many of these words in his very famous Messiah. As a young boy, I remember growing up singing in the Messiah in our small town, and I loved listening to these words being sung out 
with the orchestra playing in the background and hearing the anticipation, not just in the words, but in the music. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah writes. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. I love those words. Just hearing those words begins to make me think of the excitement and the anticipation of Christmas. A couple of passages over in Isaiah chapter 9, we read these words. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government, and the peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish all this. For generations, people anticipated the coming Messiah. We also need to remember that for generations, these people longed for the coming Messiah because so much about their background was filled with waiting for this one who was going to come and transform and change everything. The people longed for a Savior. I wonder sometimes, do we still long for that Savior in our lives? We need to understand that even though some 2,000 years ago when Jesus came and thousands of years before that, people were waiting for Jesus, we are waiting and we need to long with anticipation for his coming. In Luke chapter 1, we begin to hear the Christmas story played out. And over the coming weeks, we're going to hear many different pieces of this Christmas story, and we're going to begin to understand it. But we need to back up just a little bit and understand the anticipation that the people in Jesus' day felt for this coming Messiah. Luke, the master historian, does a great job as he begins to tell the story in Luke chapter 1. Listen to these words as I read them. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the customs of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when time came for the burning of the incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. 
But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of his people of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteousness to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you the good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until that day happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachary and wondered why he had stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, his, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among my people. We need to understand a little bit about what took place in these passages. We need to begin by understanding the people that take, are taking place in these passages. One of the first people that we learn about is Herod. He is known as Herod the Great. We've all heard of Herod the Great, haven't we? But in reality, that was a self-proclaimed title, Herod the Great. He was the king of the Jews, but he was not a Jew. In fact, he was an Idumean or an Edomite. He was a descendant of Esau. He was ethnically what we would think of as an Arab person today. We often wonder why that area of the world is so divisive. It's because of what we see here in this text. People of different religions and different backgrounds trying to live and trying to intersect and being ruled by people from different backgrounds, it becomes a spark and it becomes a place that fighting has taken place for generations after generations and will continue to fight. Herod was appointed to rule by the Roman government. He was known as an able administrator. He was known as a great promoter of extravagant public buildings, and he was also known to be a very crafty politician. But Herod was cruel, sadistic, and a very paranoid, suspicious man. Herod had ten wives and many, many, many children. 
His favorite wife was named Mary Amney. He got this suspicion that she was trying to overtake him. So Herod the Great executed her, two of their sons together, and five other sons over rumors that they were trying to overtake him. One Roman emperor said this of Herod, that it was better to be Herod's pig than to be his offspring. When Herod was dying and on his deathbed, he ordered that all of his high-ranking officials be executed to make sure that there would be a period of mourning upon his death. And it is this Herod that asked that all babies in Bethlehem, after Bethlehem, be killed. Understand this. This was the time frame, and this was the person that was ruling the Jews when Jesus came. Is it any wonder that there was anticipation for a coming Messiah? Is there any wonder that people were pausing and saying, come Lord Jesus, come, give us this Messiah, this Savior that we have been longing for? And so we are introduced to this priest named Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. Zechariah, his name literally means Jehovah will remember. We read in the text that he was a priest from the clan of Abijah. He's most likely 80 years old, and he has spent a lifetime doing the normal jobs of being a priest, going about taking care of the menial things that he was asked to do day in and day out. In this day and age, there were four divisions of priests that contained about 900 in each of those divisions for a total of 21,600 priests. And each division would serve for one week every six months. And on the Sabbath, all of the divisions, all of the priests who were 24 years and older would serve. And the other six days, only 50 of them would serve, and those were chosen by lot. So understand, what is taking place in this text is pretty amazing that Zechariah has been chosen on this day out of 21,000 people, that on this day, his name was chosen by Lot to do something. On the great feast days of Passover and Pentecost and tabernacles, all of the priests would serve, and the remaining of their times, they lived in their homes scattered about all through Judea. But Zechariah is chosen for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to enter the holy place. Not the holy of holies, that's where only the high priest went, but the holy place, the place just before the holy of holies. There would have been three priests that would have entered the holy, of holy, or the holy place on that day. One priest would have gone in and would have cleaned the altar 
and then left. Another priest would have gone in and they would have spread live coals on the altar of sacrifice and then leave. And then Zechariah would have been left alone to spread the incense on the fire. And it was his job to worship and to pray. Yet on that day, God had some different intentions. And he began to make his preparations through a common priest who would be the father of the forerunner of Jesus. One of the things that I have always thought is so unique in the story and the birth narrative of Jesus is how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I go back to how I started this. The reality is everyone who sits in this room and everyone who watches this online, we're ordinary people. But God still wants to use us in extraordinary ways to be used for his kingdom. In comes Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. She too was a daughter of a priest. In many ways, John was born into a double blessing, the child of a priest and the child of a mother of a priest. But she too was close to 80 years old, well past the years of childbearing. But once again, God chose somebody ordinary to do something extraordinary. We know in a few passages later that John the Baptist is born. His name is Jehovah is Gracious, and he became a special gift to his parents in their old age. But more importantly, he became a special gift to each and every one of us as he began to announce the coming Messiah. Luke does a masterful job of giving us a history lesson in this text. One of my Bible college professors, Mark Moore, said it this way, and while Luke is a wonderful, careful historian, this stuff isn't about the past. Luke is laying the foundation here for the life of Christ. These events point prophetically to the future. They will help us to predict, predict what we are about to encounter in the life and the ministry of Jesus. John the Baptist, in all of this story, lays the groundwork for the greatest gift that is ever given, the Christ child. It's easy for us to become nostalgic about Christmas, to look back, to think about Christmas's past, to think about how wonderful things were when we were a little child. But in reality, Christmas is about the future. It's about what God is going to do in us and through us. This baby that we celebrate each and every December came to live, to die, to rise again, and to ascend into heaven. And this baby that we celebrate is the one who comes to give us eternal life.
question for you today. Do you still long for that Messiah? We live in a world that is very divided still today. We live in a world that's hurting, where people are searching for answers. The reality is the only answer is found in the blood of Jesus Christ. We have a God that loves us, that wants to use us in so many ways. As we wrap up this Christmas anticipation, I want to challenge you to look at two practical things this month. In reality, these come directly from Thanksgiving. I think one of the best ways that we can focus on in the anticipation of the coming Messiah is by starting by being thankful in all things. It's easy for us to get overwhelmed, but I think we need to pause and look around and find things to be thankful for. Look at your life and look at what you can stop and just simply say, God, thanks. Maybe it's as simple as the old joke, I thank God every time my feet hit the floor in the morning that I woke up. Well, maybe we need to be thankful for that. Maybe we need to look at our family, our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids, whatever it is, and just say, God, thank you. Maybe we need to pause and just say, God, thank you that we were born in this country, in this time. Maybe even after yesterday, we need to pause and say, God, thank you that we're still Buckeyes. But all things, we need to just pause and give God thanks for what we have and what he continues to do for us. Because the reality is this, no matter how dark and bleak and no matter how sad things may look around us, we have a Messiah that came to live and to die and to give us hope. So I want to challenge you, pause this month and just look at the things you can be thankful for. The second thing, it goes right along with Thanksgiving. It's the second part of the word. I want to challenge you to find ways to give of yourself this Christmas season. I want to encourage you to find some time that you can carve out and give time to someone else. Maybe it is by simply listening to somebody. Maybe it is by helping somebody go do some shopping. Maybe it's by just simply being present in someone's life. Maybe it's by sharing your talents that you have and pouring those out into other people. And maybe this Christmas season, it's important that you share some of your resources. The reality is this, we are blessed beyond measure. And maybe we need to share some of that blessing with someone else. How can we make that happen? By just simply giving of what God has given us. As we enter into this Thanksgiving or this Christmas season, 
And as we fast approach all of the stuff and all of the activities and all of the burdens and all of the things that are going to draw our focus away, let's pause for just one moment. And let's wrap ourselves in the anticipation of what this season is all about. A baby that came to live, to die, to raise again, and to give each of us life eternal. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for this season where we can find hope and strength in you. Lord, help us throughout the course of this season to pause, to give you thanks, and to give of all that you have given to us. Father, help us through this season to find that comfort that we need. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen.